and uh, it's wonderful to see you. Uh, we, uh, two weeks ago, we started a brand new sermon series called Easter People. And we are looking at people who uh, had an encounter with Jesus after he rose from the dead. Two weeks ago, we began this series uh, with uh, Mary Magdalene, and, and we learned a lot about her. We were challenged by that message. Last week, uh, we were in the, in the room with the disciples, the 10 disciples that were hiding from the leaders, and Jesus appeared in that place, and uh, they had an encounter with him there. Now, today, I want to share uh, from the book of Luke. So why don't you turn there? The title of this message today is this, The Conversation of a Lifetime. The Conversation of a Lifetime. It's kind of interesting because when people talk about the, uh, the, like the post-resurrection appearances that Jesus had, uh, we, we immediately think of Mary uh, Magdalene, and we think of the disciples, and, 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 but sometimes we forget about this story. We forget about two followers of Jesus Christ. One of them was called Cleopas, and you, you find two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, uh, and Jesus meets these two men on the road to Emmaus, and he has a conversation with him. Now, let me just pause here and say that it's the Lord's desire to have a conversation, I believe, with many of us here that are joining us today. That God wants to speak to you, and he wants to uh, share something that I believe can be quite profound uh, especially as I dug into this story just a little bit. And I want us to take a look at this conversation of a lifetime, which begins in Luke 24, verse 13. So if you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together? If you don't have your Bible with you, you can join on the, uh, on the screen and... I'll, of course, read the scriptures to you as well. Are we ready? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Three people. That's great. So, got to work for it. That's okay. I'm ready. Here we go. Verse 13 says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, "Why are you discussing to, or what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days?' What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen the vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, uh, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would have the conversation of a lifetime. And God, that you would meet us on our road, (laughs) on our Emmaus road. And God, speak to us this morning by your word and through your Holy Spirit. And we depend on that more than anything else. So Lord, touch us today, I pray. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Thanks for your patience as we read quite a bit of scripture there today. So my goal, my goal today is to put you on that road. That road that goes from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Uh, Let me remind you at the beginning verses that we read, this was a seven mile journey. A seven mile journey. Some of you are sweating right now thinking about that. You know, you go seven blocks and, you know, you need a massage. Seven mile walk, seven mile journey. And so, so, so what is this? This is a rather lengthy walk I don't know how long it takes some of us to walk seven miles. For me, about a month. And uh, <laughs> with, with snack breaks. And, uh, and, and so, so they're walking. And, and for seven miles, they are walking with a heaviness. They're walking with a heaviness that Jesus immediately addresses. Oh, don't miss this. You see, the Lord wants to meet you today if you're on that road, on that seven-mile journey. He wants to meet you. And maybe as we analyze four, four parts of this story today, 
it'll help us see even better what the Lord intends to do uh, in many of our hearts here this morning. So let, let's jump into this, okay? Number one, I, I would like to take a look at the walk. The walk. The walk. Let's take a look at the journey. Let's remember who these people are. See, a lot of people think that Jesus only had 12 followers. And, and Jesus had 12 that he called disciples, but, but there were other people that followed Jesus along with that. And these two would be examples of that. There were so many people that were impacted by Jesus' ministry, and they followed him, and they listened to him, they saw the miracles, and they paid close attention as to what was going on. And these two disciples, these two followers of Jesus Christ, and I'm looking at a lot of followers of Jesus Christ, they found themselves on the seven mile journey, and they were carrying with them, if you will, quite a bit of emotional hurt, baggage, grief, a heaviness. What did that look like? Well, for example, I find that they were quite overwhelmed. Now, the writing on there is kind of small, I apologize, but I was too lazy to do two slides. Um, pastor problems. But again, listen to this. If it's too small to read, it says, he, being Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Time out, by the way. Always remind yourself of this. Every time Jesus asks a question, he always knew the answer. Always. So I asked them again, what are you talking? <laughs> what are you discussing? And they stood still with their faces downcast. Okay, so even physically they're down. And one of them said, uh, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Let's remind ourselves that there was a Jewish festival of the Passover that was taking place uh, in Jerusalem. This was a major event for Jews to attend. So there was a major pilgrimage of people who were coming together to Jerusalem. To not know what was taking place, you would have been <laughs> social distancing and quarantining yourself from the rest of the world. <laughs> oh, I just thought that was a lot funnier than you did. But uh... <laughs> So Jesus said, what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we'd hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, this is now the third day since all this has taken place. You see, understand that Jews 2,000 years ago, their understanding of a Messiah is not how we understand it now as Christians in the 21st century. They were looking for a physical human king or spiritual king to take over a physical earthly kingdom, to overthrow Rome and to establish his kingdom on earth. That's what Jews were looking for. And so this is, and for many Jews, still is a big 
steal. We want the Messiah. And Cleopas and his friend thought that this was the one. Everything that they thought would take place did not take place at all. Have you been there? Everything that you thought, and, uh, and your motives are pure. Everything that you thought should take place in this situation, it's not happening at all. In fact, just the opposite is happening. Cleopas and his buddy are expecting Jesus to be the one to establish a physical kingdom. And then they saw this man executed in the most severe way possible right before their eyes. So everything that they expected just fell apart. And maybe that's some of us. We've had expectations. In fact, we could quote chapter and verse as to what those expectations are. And then all of a sudden, it's not happening. And I don't understand this. And I don't get this. And to be honest with you folks, when things take place that we think should happen and they don't, that can get pretty overwhelming to us. And not only were they overwhelmed, but they were also overcome. If, if this wasn't bad enough, now there's a new twist to what they're facing. Verse 22 says, In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They, they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, and they did not see Jesus. So, so not only did things not work out the way that they had intended, the way that they had hoped, the way that they had wanted, the way that they had dreamed, but not only that, now there's this weird twist going on where his body's missing and people are talking about angels and, and what in the world is going on? You've been there? What? What in the world is going on, God? How many of us were saying that a year ago? Pandemic? I, don't, I didn't know what a pandemic was. I had a fancy word, but I didn't What? Well, we'll be back for Easter Sunday, I'm sure. No. Well, everything will be opened up by Mother's Day. That's our second biggest day of the year. Not so much. And we're asking ourselves, what, what, what is going on? Even in spite of, don't miss this, okay? Even in spite of supernatural, miraculous things taking place, like the resurrection of the Son of God, it sometimes can be quite easy for us to totally lose sight of that and be more focused on things that didn't go our way like we had wanted and like we had hoped and like we had planned. We thought this guy was the one. We thought this is it. And, 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 and now we can't even find his body. What is going on? And maybe, maybe, maybe on your nine-mile journey, nine-mile, seven-mile journey, seems like nine. 
If I walk seven, it's going to seem like 90. But uh, maybe, maybe unless I got clubs, then, then it's <laughs> side to side. It's more like 100. Uh, woods, water, woods, water. And, and, and so they're walking, they're walking. And can, can you believe this? Can you understand this for seven miles? It, it, it's, it's, what is going on? What is going on? Three days ago, we thought everything was great. Three days ago, we thought we had the king of the earth. We thought we had the Messiah. Now, three days later, we can't even find the man's body. What is going on? I think all of us have been on that seven-mile journey where we've asked that question of God or of ourselves or whoever might listen, what is going on? And, and on this walk, they were overwhelmed and they were overcome, but I can't let this go because they also overlooked something very important. And we have to back up in our text and start at verse 13. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I'm sure there's different theological discussions as to what that phrase actually means, but I'm going to go there this way. I believe that sometimes we can become so overcome and so overwhelmed by the things that we are facing that we cease to recognize the very presence of God. Did y'all catch that? These are guys that saw Jesus face to face. These are guys that saw him teach, preach, do miracles. These are guys that saw Jesus just in the downtime, they saw Jesus on the cross, and, and, and now they don't recognize him. I, I have met people, I have met people who have been so connected to Jesus in the past, but because life got difficult, because that seven mile journey seems so long and they could never get their questions answered and their hopes they just couldn't get those things figured out and because of that now they're at a place they can even attend church but they don't recognize the presence of God when they worship they they can they can open up the bible but there's nothing there because we are so caught up and what brought us on that 7 mile journey. And what happens, our, our worship changes. There used to be an openness in worship. And now, not so much. Instead of, we, we, instead of, I'll just tell you what I've seen. Can I do that? Instead of people being encouragers, they become critics. Instead of people blessing other people, they they become judgmental. 
when you fail to recognize the presence of Jesus like you used to, then what happens, it affects everything. Everything. I'm speaking to people that are in the midst of that seven-mile journey. And you've noticed the change. That heart for God, it, it, it's not quite there anymore. That, that passion for the Lord, that, that desire to see God move, it, it's not quite there anymore. Your attitude towards other Christians, it's it just... And, and sometimes it's like, where'd this come from? Well, you're still on that seven-mile journey. And there are Christians today, some, some don't even attend church or join a service online. Remember that stat I gave you? One-third of the people who were attending church a year ago don't even log on to watch a service now, let alone attend a service in person. And i got to believe that part of that can be people who have been so overwhelmed and so overcome that they overlook the presence of God. This walk is a difficult walk to take. Christian, hear me today. Follower of Jesus, hear me today. This is not a road that God wants you to stay on. This is not a road that God wants you to stay on. Some of us have pitched a tent at about mile marker 5.5 on the road to Emmaus. It's time to take down your camp, get up, and it's time for Jesus to enter into the conversation now. Because what we need is a conversation of a lifetime. And if, if, I, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our identity can be wrapped up in the seven-mile journey. And we don't even know how to act unless we're on the road to Emmaus. This walk, it was, it was a walk where, where they were overwhelmed and, and they were overcome, and unfortunately then they... they easily overlooked the presence of Jesus. Number two, I not only want to take a look at their walk, but I want to take a look at what I call their welcome. See, because now things start to make a turn. Jesus enters in. Jesus enters in. May I tell you, it is no accident that you're hearing this message today. Because if you find yourself on that road, if you find yourself of that road that is overwhelming you and overcoming you, then you need to understand that there is somebody right next to you, the Savior, the King of Kings, the Son of God, resurrected Jesus Christ, and He wants to change things in your life but there's a responsibility on your part. I want you to look at verses 28, 29, and 30, because this is important. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Look at verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. (laughs) Stay with us, Jesus. Don't go anywhere, Jesus. We want you to stay with us, Jesus. It is nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. So get this. Okay. Cleopas and his pal, 
They're, they're splitting rent at this, wherever they're living, okay? So they're going this way. And it looks like Jesus is going that way. And they said, no, 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 Jesus, it's too late. You stay with us. We want you, we want you to be with us. Jesus did not say this. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, I know that you haven't even said anything, but I'm barging in. Where's the remote? And I'm hungry. That's not what he did. So get this. The Son of God, who could not be contained by a grave, who could not be stopped by a stone, who could not be hindered by death itself, he waited to be welcomed into their home. Some of you may not get this yet. See, Jesus is a perfect gentleman. And so he will never force his way into anyone's heart, into anyone's life, into anyone's situation. You have to welcome him. (laughs) If you want the Lord to enter in, you got to invite him. If you want God to enter into that thing that's overwhelming you, you've got to invite him into that thing that's overwhelming you. If you want God to fix your life, then quite frankly, you've got to invite him and let him in. You have to ask him into your life. You have to ask him into your conflict. You have to ask him into your crisis. You have to ask him into your situation. Are you hearing me today? The scripture is true that we have not because we ask not. Well, God knows what I need, so he should do this. I shouldn't even have to ask for it. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I'm serious, because God has given this thing called prayer. He has given this thing called relationship where we invite him into our lives and we invite him into our home and we invite him into the situation with our children and we invite him into our marriage and we invite him into our work situation, into our financial situation, into our physical situation. We ask him to come in and we just don't ask him to visit. We do what Cleopas said. We ask him to stay. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That temple is not a hotel. Man, that was good. It's not just a temporary thing. And the problem is we've treated the presence of God like a band-aid more than anything else. We're overwhelmed by life. We're overcome by what's going on. We say, Jesus, fix it. As soon as he does, it's kind of like your mom spraying Bactine on that scratch, all better, and then we don't do anything. Some of you have no idea what Bactine is. It was incredible. <laughs> Fixed everything. If you, want, <laughs> if you want Jesus, if you want Jesus, to enter into your situation, you got to invite him to stay. 
Thirdly, I've got four, so I'm halfway done. Thirdly, there was awakening. Mm. I love this. Let's rewind a little bit. This is while they're walking on the seven-mile journey. And they've told Jesus things like this. Look at verses 25, 26, and 27. He said to them, what, and, and I'm sorry, this is after they have said, we hoped he was the Messiah. He was supposed to be this. And then Jesus said this, how foolish you are. And how slow are you to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Oh, man, there's so much I got to unpack here. Lord, help me. Jesus did not deny the circumstances that brought them their feelings. Jesus didn't say, no, I didn't die. Don't confess that. (laughs) That was funny. Jesus didn't deny reality. How silly of us to think that we have to deny reality in order to be closer and to have faith in God. Silly. That's not Bible. That's U.S. Christianity. Anyway, okay, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. So he didn't deny what had happened. Okay. He he saw that they were speaking in the past tense. We thought, we thought he was, we had hoped he was supposed to be. Hear all this past tense stuff? And then Jesus steps in. And and look at verse 27. You know what he said? He said this. What does my word say? Oh. 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 Cleopas, when you're on when you're on your seven mile journey, perhaps it's time just to stop and ask this question, what does God's word say about this? Because maybe my hopes and my dreams and my expectations don't match up with what the Bible actually says. Oh, but I prayed. Okay, did you listen? What's God saying? Because I promise God will never answer your prayers contrary to what his word says. He'll never do that. And this is what he does with, with Cleopas and his buddy. He says, guys, you wanted an earthly king. Ah! That's message Bible. Uh-uh. You wanted an earthly king. That's not the case. Let me explain to you, starting in Genesis 
and then go through all the prophets, I'm going to explain to you guys, we got seven miles, so we got time. I'm going to explain to you everything that my word has to say about what is overwhelming you and what is overcoming you and what is, <laughs> and what is troubling you. Understand, folks, that sometimes we arrive at the wrong conclusions to things that happen to us. This has happened to me. Well, God must be angry with me. Stop that. What's God's word say? Well, I guess God's not going to meet my needs. Stop that. What's the word say? We get deceived on our Emmaus road sometimes. We get deceived in the seven-mile journey sometimes because we arrive at conclusions that simply don't exist. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said this, look at the, look at the screen. He said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. It's true. It's true. That's what life is. How, okay, he died. Okay, you had these hopes, but what's your conclusion after seeing that? Okay, you got sick, so what conclusion do you have now? That child's not saved yet, so what conclusion do you have? Do, do you have a false Conclusion, are things not going the way that you wanted them to go? Have your expectations been dashed? Has everything you'd hoped for not really come through? Could it be because you had the wrong conclusions? Could it be that you have put a period where Jesus has put a comma? Do not suffer under the weight of a conclusion that isn't true. That's, oh man. See, when God dug this up in me, that, that just opened this story up for me. Because I was all about Jesus doing the disappearing trick with the bread. I thought, you know, growing up, it's like, that's awesome. And it is. But, but this, okay, now this, we, we can relate to this. We can understand this because, because we've been on those seven-mile journeys. I have no idea what my step count is today, but I am getting tired. And, and, and so, so we, we've been on these seven-mile journeys, and we've been overwhelmed, and we've been overcome, and, and we've been going through. And then, and then to compound that then, we, we don't deny reality. We, we know bad stuff has happened, but now we're coming up with conclusions like, well, God must not like me. Well, these people, they're, they're just awful. That's what they are. Uh, 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 God's not going to come through for me. Well, I guess word, God's word doesn't work for me. And then that's when you need Jesus to enter in and have the conversation of a lifetime and say, stop, stop building the foundation of your life on a conclusion that does not exist. Oh. Look at these, look at these verses. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it again and began to give it to him. And then their eyes were opened, 
and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This reminds me of last week's message, if you remember it. John 2020 said after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I, I, I don't know if, if the two noticed Jesus' wounds on his hands while he was walking with them. I doubt they got a look at his side. But, but, but when they sat down at the table and, and Jesus began to break the bread. Maybe they'd seen Jesus break bread before. Jesus will always take you back to that moment that you encountered him in the past. And so he breaks that bread. And I gotta believe, the scripture doesn't say it, but but I gotta believe it was at that moment They said, wait a minute, look at his hands. There's there's wounds on his hands. There's nail prints there. Wait, this is him. It's true. And at that moment, they were reminded of what the Lord had done for them. You know what's going to keep you off that road to Emmaus? You know what's going to keep you off that nine-mile journey? Seven-mile Why do I keep saying nine? Lord, don't extend the journey anymore, please. <laughs> you know what's going to keep you off that seven-mile journey? You ready? You ready? It's remembering what he's done for you in the past. <laughs> you may not be as overwhelmed when you're sick when you remember that he healed you in the past. And then when you recognize, when you recognize for him for what he's done for you in the past, then it's like, oh, he's still God. Oh, he, he's still the son of God. He's, he's resurrected. I, I, I recognize him now. I, I was caught up in what I was feeling. I was caught up in what overwhelms me. And folks, we are human and that's going to happen. So that is a moment that we not only need to remember what God's word has to say, but we also need to remember what he's done for us in the past. Mm. I got to close this. Jonathan, can you help me with the guitar? I'm going to end this real quick. There was a witness. There was a witness. Verses 33 through 35. Look how they responded. Once they recognized it was Jesus, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Let's remind ourselves that it was too dark. (laughs) It was too dark for Jesus to continue wherever he was going. And so the two followers said, no, 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 Jesus, it's way too dark, it's way too late. You come with us and you stay. You stay with us. But now, in that same lack of light, in that same darkness, 
they went back to Jerusalem and found the disciples. And they said, it's true. The Lord's risen and he's appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Oh, (laughs) I, I gotta, this just hit me. You ready? You ready? It was so dark. They begged Jesus not to go out in the dark. They begged Jesus to stay with them because it was so dark. But in the midst of the darkness, they had a message to tell that Jesus is alive. (laughs) Oh, man. You see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You don't have to wait for the darkness to lift in order to be a witness for God. You don't have to wait until you figured it all out before you could share that you've got a message. You might say, you know what? I was a hot mess on that road on the way to home, but then I met Jesus. I encountered Jesus, and he changed me. I have recognized Jesus in my situation, so I'm not just going to keep it for myself. Even in the midst of my darkness, I haven't even figured all this out yet, but here's what I know. I am going to depend on Jesus, and you can too. I've seen Jesus and you can too. I have experienced Jesus and you can too. In the midst of the darkness, there is a witness. Oh man, when you know, when you know that you've encountered the resurrected Jesus, you have to share that. You have to. Man, did you catch that? A lot of us think we got to have our act together before we could share a testimony, before we could share what Jesus has done. We, we, we got to have it all together. And Jesus gives you permission. While you're still figuring this out, while you still might be in the darkness still, so I don't know how he disappeared. I don't know how he did this, but we got to tell the guys. I, I, I mean, now it makes sense because when he spoke the word, it, it, it burned in our hearts. It, it, we got to tell them. We got we to encourage somebody. And you might not have it all thought out. You haven't intellectualized the whole thing. You've not been able to package it. All you know that I have seen him. I have met him. I've experienced him. And get ready, because you're going to as well. Get ready, because when he spoke to me on my seven-mile journey, he can speak to you and yours. When he spoke to me in the midst of my physical crisis, he could speak to yours. Could it be that God even allows us to be on those seven-mile journeys knowing that there is a crowd of people that have to hear about your experience with Jesus Christ? Who am I preaching to today? Oh, church, I don't know what's put you on that journey. I don't know what's put you on the Emmaus Road. But there's a travel companion that maybe you were very much unaware of until now. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's he's the Savior of the world. He's the resurrected Savior. He's, He's 
and, and he wants to meet you this morning to have a conversation of a lifetime. Will you stand with me? Did you get anything out of this today? Oh, man. Jesus. Let's just call it to Jesus. Can we do that right now? Jesus. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Meet us on that road, God. Meet us on that road, Jesus. You're here today and you find yourself on that seven-mile journey. The Lord wants to speak with you. put a period where Jesus has put a comma. You have come to conclusions about what is happening that quite honestly are not from Jesus and they're certainly not from his word. Maybe you've believed a lie. Maybe you've been so worked up that you you've acted in a way that's not right. The Lord wants to meet you on that road today. He wants to speak to you and he wants to say this to you. What does my word say? My word says I will heal. My word says I will take care of you. My word says I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. My word says that, that I am a ever-present help in times of trouble. What, what does my word say, follower, friend, child? What does my word say? And maybe today, friend, you just need to sit in his presence in this room and be reminded. Maybe you just need to circle back in your thought life, in the word of God even, and be reminded of all that God has done for you. Because standing in this room are people that should not be alive today. Standing in this room are people that should be in jail. Standing in this room are, are families that should not be together. Standing in this room are people who should still be overcome by addiction. But Jesus, but Jesus. And the Lord wants you to be reminded again and again and again of everything he's done for you. I'm going to pray. And I want to give you an opportunity to have the conversation of a lifetime with the Lord on that road today. And when God releases you, you can consider yourself dismissed. But right now, right now, the most important person you could talk to is Jesus. So Lord, meet us on that road. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to break through any obstacle that could hinder anybody from hearing and receiving from you right now. I ask you, Jesus, that you would come alive in our hearts like you did with those two on that road. Lord, let your word come alive. God, may our memories be, be reignited by all the things you've done for us. 
And God, I pray that you would help us to come to the right conclusions about what we're facing right now. Life might be tough. Circumstances may get difficult. But Lord, we choose to hear what you have to say about it, not what we can come up with. So Lord, meet us on the road today, I pray. And I'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name. need to have that conversation with the Lord. Will you do that? And if God releases you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.